Hello, and welcome to the Claremont Bible Fellowship Bible Instruction Time. We now turn you over to our speaker for the day. All right. We would have loved to have been with you all today in person. And how do you hear me? Excellent. It is, uh, Zoom is one of those things that uh, you wish you could see people. <laughs> but... Uh, Anyway, I find, it, uh, I find it interesting what we heard this morning in prayer from our brother Don, and we were chatting, the, the Zoom people were chatting a bit on this um, as we were on uh, tea break. Uh, one of the things he mentioned in his devotion this morning was a word. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to try and share my screen here and... Uh, Let's just see how this works out. And I can see by the wall that you can see what I'm looking at, which is wonderful. <clears throat> now, with Zoom, it's been really nice in that uh, you get to go to a lot of conferences. And not that long ago in one of the conferences, a brother mentioned this statement that God will provide. And so I began to look at it, and you can see down at the bottom there, and this morning our brother mentioned Jehovah Raha. Now, if you look at, and I'm no linguist, but if you look at it in uh, the Old Testament, that you can see the, the Yiddish spelling at the bottom that you'll find if you have access to Blue Letter Bible, but it's Elohim Raha. And depending on which order you put it in, it could mean God bless or praise God and God provides. And as I looked at this little statement, God will provide, there are so many examples of it in Scripture. And I just want to look at a couple this morning because I've also been asked, our brother Lanny has impressed upon me, he, he wants to hear a report, and so we'll do that as well very briefly, but we'll just look at this. If you look at the, the word, ra, providing, I find it interesting that one of, the, one of the definitions that you have, and it's in red, is to appear or present oneself to be seen, to be visible. And so when we see that God is providing, we see that God is actually revealing himself. God is showing himself to us in his provision. And of course, the very first one, which we probably are all aware of, is that one that we sometimes hear and preach from is in Genesis 22. So let's just look at Genesis 22 and 8. Genesis chapter 22 and verse 8. It is well known, but it never hurts to open the scriptures. And here's what it says. And of course, this is Abraham and Isaac going up the mountain. And Isaac notices the wood and he notices the fire. But he says, Father, where, where's the lamb for the burnt offering? And in verse 8, Abraham answers, God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering, my son. So they went both of them together. Now, if you go back and you remember the definition what was Abraham saying? 
God will reveal himself, the lamb, for a burnt offering. God will show himself as a lamb for the burnt offering. In our greatest need of sin, God provides. And so let's go over to John 1 and 29, that wonderful verse, where God reveals himself. Just like the definition says, God will provide. So John chapter 1 and verse 29. <clears throat> the next day he, that is John the Baptist, saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. One of the things, if you especially read the New Testament, you will see that when God says something, he backs it up with an action. So by looking at the New Testament, you see that Jesus said, I am the bread of life. And then what did he do? He fed 5,000. He fed 4,000 plus people. When he said to Martha, I am the resurrection and the life, what did he do? He went out and he raised Lazarus from the dead. So when God says something, he backs it up with an action. And so way back in Genesis, Abraham speaks and he says, God will reveal himself, the lamb for the burnt offering. And this morning, we have remembered the lamb of the burnt offering, the lamb of the sin offering, the lamb of the trespass offering. We've remembered the lamb. And John points it out in case anybody was going to miss it. John points him out. And he says, there he is, the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. So God not only says it, he reveals his statement with an action. And he provided the Son of God, Christ himself, to come down and to take away the sin of the world for the burnt offering so that we could have forgiveness of sin, so that we could, in clear conscience, remember him this morning the way that he directed his disciples to do so long ago. So in the Old Testament, there are so many examples, and, and I don't want to take the time to go into them, but you can... Our brother has, has told us to look into some of the, the different memorials in Deuteronomy. And so here's your second homework of the day. You can look into the, the different provisions of God in, in the Old Testament. Uh, but there's one case in the New Testament that I want to look at as well. And Philippians chapter 4, you can turn to that, Philippians chapter 4. And it's in, in verse 19. And this is a good verse for the situation that many find themselves in today and have found themselves in over the past few months. Verse 19, and God and my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches in Christ, glory in Christ Jesus. God will supply. Now, in Zambia, whenever you give or receive something, 
you do it with both hands. This is why I've used this picture. And the reason for that is the definition at the very bottom of that slide. The word that Paul uses here, God will supply, means to make full, to fill up, to fill to the full, to cause to abound, to furnish or supply liberally. And the reason that Zambians give and receive with both hands is for that very reason. When I give you something, I give it to you with both hands to say, I am giving you everything I can. And when you receive it with both hands, you're saying to me, you have given me everything you could. You have supplied liberally. You have made full. You've filled up my hands. And so this is what Paul is describing to the believers in Philippi. My God will supply every need of yours according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. One of the challenges we have in the local language, one of the local languages where we are in Zambia, this word need, it is the same word in the vernacular that we use for want or love. And so oftentimes it takes a bit of understanding. Are they saying I need it? Are they saying I want it? Or are they saying I love it? And sometimes people get confused between needing something and wanting something because they're not the same. And Paul says he will supply every need, every need of yours. I am sure that there are people all across the world, believers standing in need. Some have lost their jobs. Some have lost their health. Some have lost their freedom to move about because they're isolated and restricted in their place. And Paul says, God will supply every need of yours. Something to take hope and courage in, just like God supplied our need of sin. He gave us a sacrifice. We had a great need. He filled it. Paul says he'll do exactly the same thing. And the Gaithers, back in 1965, they, they wrote a hymn. Every need he is supplying, plenteous grace he bestows. Every day my way gets brighter. The longer I serve him, the sweeter he grows. Why can we sing that? Because we understand that as we live our lives, day in and day out, God is supplying our need. God will provide. He doesn't just say it and then leave us hanging. He says it, and then he does something. So if there are believers and they are standing in need, look to the source, look to God. Paul says he will provide every need according to his riches in Christ. He's done it in the past. He'll do it again. We heard this morning about the great shepherd, the shepherd that supplies, that provides. Past, present, future. He will provide. And so if there are some that are in uncertainty in your lives because of one thing or another, whatever it is, look to the source. Look to God. He will provide. Now, just to 
touch up with what is going on in Zambia currently. Uh, as of today, pretty much everything is open in Zambia, except the bars and casinos. People are required to wear masks, and that rule is stringently enforced. Um, but as far as the country is going, and I thought I would give you a, a comparison of yourselves. So Zambia has a population of about 18.38 million people, Florida around 21.48 million. Now in Zambia, there are 920 confirmed cases as of Friday. And in Florida, there were 46,944 confirmed cases as of Friday. Zambia, seven deaths, Florida, 2,052 deaths. That gives you an idea of where the country is at. Now, I give you those numbers with this one little caveat. Zambia is a third world country. And so they don't always report what is exactly happening in the country. However, because of weather and temperature and um, movement in the country, although I don't believe that maybe this is 100% accurate, it's probably fairly accurate. Uh, people don't move long distances in the country. They move between city centers. And as of just a few days ago, I was talking with a brother in Zambia, and the nearest case to where we live in Zambia is still about 500 kilometers away. And so that's where the country stands right now. Just to go back a bit for ourselves, on March 17th, Zambia implemented their COVID-19 measures. Basically, they canceled all gatherings over 50 people, they closed things down, and although they said they closed the borders, there were buses and trucks and things still getting into the country because Zambia is landlocked and is heavily dependent on imports of supplies. On March 19th, as a result of the government issuing the order, I closed down our Thursday youth Bible study and I came in under the wire at 48 kids plus myself. So we were okay. We also advised all the villages that we have Bible studies in, as well as the ladies club that Rhonda's involved in, the English gospel meetings. We went around and informed people that we wouldn't be gathering because of the government imposed regulations. We were originally scheduled to return to Canada on furlough this year on the 27th of April, but as a result of the closures, we decided to move it up to the 1st of April. On March the 22nd, the assembly in Chitokoloki had its last gathering and they did not pass the emblems. There was prayer and hymns, ministry was given and then they closed. Everybody that came in was asked to wash their hands with soap and everybody left after about an hour because religious gatherings were to be limited to an hour or less. As a result of this, we ended up driving to Lusaka on the 29th of March to await our flight on the 1st of April. Now, between 
about the 22nd of, April, of March and the 1st of April, we received numerous calls from the Canadian High Commission in Zambia urging us to get out. And I said, listen, we've moved our tickets to the 1st of April. We'll be leaving the 1st of April. We received a call again. Are you sure you can't get out earlier? And I said, no, we're going out the 1st of April. I received a call the next day, this time from the chief of station saying, we have it on good authority that the last flight out of Zambia is going to be the 30th of March. Can you not move your flight to the 30th of March? And I said, listen, I live in Zambia. If God says that that's the last flight and we don't get out, we're happy to stay. This is where we live. And so the 30th of March came. And the 30th of March went. And on the 1st of April, we showed up at the airport. And this is what we saw. You can see all of these flights are canceled throughout the country, internationally, except the one I've got circled. That is Ethiopian's Airways 873, bound for Addis Ababa in Ethiopia. That was our flight. And it was on time. Not only was it on time, but it was early. And so we went through security, we went through checking in, we went through immigration, and we went upstairs to the second floor of the airport to departures and looked out onto the tarmac, and this is what we saw. We saw our plane. And on the back of the plane, you can see I have it circled there, that's what we saw, Toronto. And we were fairly certain that we were gonna make it all the way. That flight left at 3.45 in the afternoon, and we arrived in Toronto the next day, April the 2nd, 8.35 in the morning, with a fairly uneventful trip. Now, while we were upstairs in the boarding lounge, waiting for our flight, I gave the Canadian High Commission a call. And I said to them, I said, I just want you to know I'm in the airport and I'm looking at an airplane sitting on the tarmac from Ethiopian Airways. And on the back, it says Toronto. I'm going to trust my God over your inside sources every day of the week. I'm leaving for Toronto. And there it was. And so that was our flight back. We spent our 14 days in self-isolation. And since then, we have been um, involved in really just sticking around and doing a lot of Zoom calls, enjoying conferences that we may not have normally been able to get to because of distance. And um, the girls have been keeping up their schoolwork in a fairly quiet environment without interruption. So that's been good as well. Looking back on the last two years, since we were with you last, uh, there have been some interesting events and I'll just highlight them in the next few minutes. Just to give you a sort of a, an outline of the way that Zambia um, environment works, the seasons, we only have two seasons really. We have dry season and we have rainy season. So custom 
Customarily, we have rainy season between October and the end of March. And then April to the beginning of October is customarily dry season. So in that rainy season, people grow their corn, which is the staple cornmeal, and they have to grow enough corn to get them through until the next harvest the following year in April. Well, the rainy season between 2018 and 2019, remember October to April, we had 20 days of rain. That was it. So people that customarily would bring in 12 ox carts of corn brought in three, maybe four. There was no way they'd be able to supply the food they needed to keep them until the next harvest. And so as we had done in a smaller way in the past, we began to supply food to elderly people in the assembly because there was no way they were going to make it through one year without help. So just to give you an idea or a face on some of the people that we circulate with in the elderly community in Zambia, on the top there we have Tom and Barina, and we have John Sankangi, and we have Maku or Mark. Um, this young man, Mark or Maku, he is in an assembly just about five kilometers from us, and he has a massive uh, disability. It's cerebral palsy. And so he walks with a cane, and he does tend to farm for himself, but with the, with the drought, there was no way he was going to bring in anything to help himself. And so these are just some of the folks. We also deal with some of these folks. Um, and as you can see, while we've been here, actually, we've received word of these two folks passing away. The one up in the top there, Mrs. Sampasa, passed away the beginning of April, as did Mr. Costa. And so there'll be two fewer people to provide food for when we go back as well. Mrs. Kawema down on the bottom there, her husband, um, was married, her husband, Mr. Kuwema, passed away about a year and a half ago from prostate cancer. And so um, every time I bring her food, she breaks down and cries and says, you have not forgotten me. In total, we bring food to around 20 to 25 elderly people. I remember one visit to, and I wish I had, got his picture, but I remember one visit to Mr. and Mrs. Chingungu. They're an elderly couple that are close to three and a half, four kilometers away. And one day, with the help of a young man, Mr. Chambala, who's a big help to us in the work there, we decided to go out and visit Mr. and Mrs. Chingungu and bring them some food. So customarily, we would bring them a bag of meal, which you can see down in the bottom corner, some capenta, which is dried fish, beans, salt, sugar, rice, oil, tomatoes, onions, beans, anything we can get our hands on, sort of, to give them a bit of protein. Anyway, we took food and we, we went out to visit them. And when we arrived, we, we sat down with them and Mrs. Chingungu turned to Mr. Chingungu and said, are you going to tell them? 
And he said, well, you tell them the story. So she said to us, she said, this morning I served him the last rice that we had. And I asked him, how are we going to eat for the rest of the day and the rest of the month? And just now you have showed up with food to help us through. God provides. And so every two to three weeks, we would get food, go out and deliver it to these elderly people, and help tide them through. Thankfully, the rainy season that came to a close just this past March, people will be bringing in an abundance of crops. It was an excellent, excellent rainy season. Now, one of the things that has been postponed as a result of the COVID-19 is Lunda Lubanza. Now, this is a picture from last year. To give you an idea, you can take a look at the mass of people. That's looking one way. That's looking another way. Now, imagine this on all four sides. There's well over... 5,000 people that attend this cultural ceremony of the Lunda people. And it really is sort of a celebration of the chief's birthday, the, supreme, the, the paramount chief, Chief Ashindi's birthday. And so what I often do is I go early. The ceremony starts at around 2 in the afternoon, but I go at 11 in the morning and hand out gospel papers. Last year... With the help of three young men, I handed out well over 6,500 gospel papers between the four of us. Now, I say young man, that gentleman in the white shirt there, David, he's older than me. Uh, the other two men are younger than me. But so from, from left to right, we have Rufus and John and David. Now, Rufus and John have helped me in the past. And this year I had three backpacks full of gospel literature plus extra in the back of the truck, which is in behind them there. And so I gave a backpack to Rufus and I gave a backpack to John and I took one myself and we went out and started handing out gospel literature. As I was handing out gospel literature, David came to me and he, he said, I've handed out some too. Can I get more? And I said, well, absolutely. So we walked back to the car and I gave him more. And a short time later, he came back and he said, I, I've given those out as well. Can I have more? And so we went out to the car and I gave him more. And so at the end of a couple of hours, we had handed out well over 6,500 pieces of gospel literature. Now at this ceremony as well, the paramount chief asked that I preach the gospel. And I have about 15 minutes and so I preached it in Lunda, and then I translated myself into English for the government officials that were there. Now, because of COVID-19, it is unlikely that this ceremony will happen in August this year, as it does in the past. But there is a rumor that they have pushed it to September in the hopes that we will be back and that they can have it once the COVID-19 issues are lifted in the country. I was talking with one of the um, 
I don't really know how to say it. They call them sort of, he'd be a secretary to the chief. And he was telling me that the chief has made it clear. If I am in the country, he is expecting that I will preach the gospel. The only way that someone else is allowed to preach the gospel at the opening of Lundalubanza is if I am not in the country. And so it has been an honor and a privilege to be able to preach to 5,000 plus, even if you only have 15 minutes to preach the gospel to government officials and others who are there and listening. Now, here's another event that kind of stands out. On October the, well, it'd be about the 16th, which is, would have been a Wednesday, I was on my way to, is that our prayer meeting Wednesday? Yeah, Wednesday's the prayer meeting at the assembly. And so we were on our way to meeting, and um, just as meeting was about to start, that man you can see holding the microphone, Chambala, he got a call on his phone from the Paramount Chief. Now this chief is, a, is chief of all the Lunda people in Zambia, Congo, and Angola. He is the Paramount Lunda Chief. And this young man got a call from that chief wanting very badly to talk to me. And so he called me out of the assembly and he said, it's the chief, he needs to talk to you. And so I picked up the phone and the chief said, my daughter is getting married on Saturday, the 19th. And the pastor that I wanted to marry her, to, to marry her and her husband do this ceremony, he, he's not able to attend. Can you do the ceremony? And so I said, I'm willing to do the ceremony, but I want to talk to the bride and groom first. And so we will come down to where the palace is, and I want them both to be there. I want to talk to them both. I wanted to make sure they had a clear salvation story. And so he said, I will make sure that they are available for you to talk to. And so Mr. Chambell and I went down to the palace. We had a meeting with them both, and they both gave a very clear salvation story. And so on Saturday, the 19th, I performed the wedding vows of Maximo and Princess Jolene. And before the vows, I was asked to preach again. And so, of course, what better message is there than the gospel Christ gave himself for the church? After the ceremony was over, the chief called us into his palace and he said, Wow, you were hard on them. You were so hard on them, but I approve. Sometimes marriage isn't taken super serious, especially in the bush. And so he was glad that we hammered in how important wedding vows were, that it was a picture of Christ and the church. Now, how about Zambia today? Well, up until just recently, the assembly hasn't been able to gather. They've only been able to do the Zoom in the cities, out in the bush. Most of them don't have the ability to do Zoom meetings the way we've been able to do them. And so last Sunday was the first Sunday that Mr. Chambla, the young man that you can see here 
with a microphone, he decided to take into his hands and do it the way we've done it for the last 11 years. And so he went out into the village and he had a village meeting. Now you can see Zambian's idea of social distancing. That is social distancing in the village. They just don't do it. So last week they were in Sampasa village and today, which has probably already come to a close over there, they were in Chambala village, which is his village. He is the headman of that village. And they met there today probably uh, because they have no ability to Zoom. And so the, the gentleman who's speaking now is a Zambian doctor, Dr. Felix, who's at the hospital there. The gentleman in the blue shirt is Dr. McAdam from Northern Ireland. He's a missionary commandant from Northern Ireland. And the man sitting just close to us here, this side of the doctor standing, is Mr. Nkanza, and he is an elder in the assembly there in Chitokoloki, one of them. Mr. Chambla is one of the elders as well. And you can see that their desire to have a meeting is so great that they walked out. This village is a kilometer and a half walk from Chitokoloki. And these men walked out to that village so that they could at least have a gathering around the word of God. And Felix, Dr. Felix preached the gospel. And so just very quickly, that's kind of where the country is at today. Now, it's my understanding that they are going to be allowing churches to gather again. I'm not sure what that will look like. It was very, very encouraging. And as we were chatting on Zoom this morning, uh, Lanny was pointing out how encouraging and others were pointing out how wonderful it was to be able to do sort of a, a hybrid Zoom and gathering. It was wonderful. And uh, I hope... And I trust that each of you there at Claremont were able to really appreciate what you have this morning. Something that all of us sitting at home have been thirsting for. And not just here, around the world, there are those that have been thirsting to be able to gather as an assembly. Remember the Lord with the breaking of bread and, and the receiving of the cup and, and just to enjoy his presence with other believers. We really wish we could have been with you this morning, personally. In that little building you have there, we have very, very fond memories of two years ago. And I don't know what it'll look like, and I don't know how soon we'll be able to even get into the US. The borders are closed until the 21st of June. But we are very thankful to be able to use this technology. I speak with um, Chambala down in Zambia quite often. And just recently, the president of Zambia had a, a news conference and he is updated. And so as of today, basically everything is open except bars and casinos. And so that's kind of where the work stands at. It, it was kind of at a standstill. Lord willing, when we go back, our tickets are set for September the 3rd. And we hope that um, we'll be able to go back and recommence many of these out gathering, these gatherings out in the villages, in the Bible study with young people, in, in the ladies' club, in the English gospel meeting. Um, I'm, 
I have the feeling that uh, there is really no new normal in the bush of Zambia. There will be no social distancing. Masks and gloves, they probably can't get, and so they just won't use them. Uh, we pray that COVID-19 never reaches the village because if it does, it will cause massive, massive casualties and damage. But as of now, the people gather in these little village gatherings, and we're so pleased that they do. And we pray that as the gospel goes out in the village, as it's gone out even today, that the light of the gospel will go in and reach souls and turn them to Christ. And so I will close in prayer. I don't know how the, the elders there want to, to organize this. I know the last two times I've done it, there have been questions at the end, and I'm happy to stick around for questions, depending on what folks there want. Uh, I'm sure that folks want to get home for lunch. Whatever their desire is, I'll leave it to them, but I'll just close in prayer and then turn it back over to our brother there uh, at Claremont Bible Fellowship in Florida. Let's just pray. Father, we are so thankful for your blessing to us. We're thankful for the love of God and his grace to us that ever sent his son to die. We just ask your blessing upon each one there in Florida and at the assembly there in Claremont. And we just pray that, Father, you would bless each one. Those that have been able to gather and those that haven't gathered, that have gathered over Zoom uh, for fear of health and different issues, we just pray, Father, that you would bless each one. Remember your people back in Zambia as well. Remember the villages surrounding Chitokoloki and all your people there. We just pray your blessing. Preserve your people, we pray. We are so thankful that we have a God who provides, a God who knows our needs, and we give thanks that he will provide. And so we ask your rich blessing upon each one. For those there at the assembly, we pray that you would take them home safely. And we ask your blessing now as we give thanks in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.